All right, I am recording. I'm going to synchronize with myself in three, two, one. That was a joke. I hope you enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. Welcome back, Husker Nation. Welcome to another episode of Generation Red, a Husker fan podcast, as we like to call it, the kettle corn of Husker podcasts, where we sometimes get sweet, but we can also get a little bit salty at times. As my dad stated in episode 19, if you listen to it, obviously it was just my dad, uh, because I was on vacation. I will actually be going solo for this episode since I was on vacation. Um, yeah, I was actually in Colorado with my wife, as I had stated in episode 18. I went to a concert on Sunday for a band that I absolutely adore, and we went hiking out in the mountains and also at Garden of the Gods. It was a great time, and I am happy to be back in Nebraska, pretty much, pretty much happy to be back in Nebraska, but... Today, in this episode, I will be talking about my thoughts on the Minnesota game. I will also go over my players of the game and my three games to look forward to during this bye week or bye weekend um, for my dad and I's six-pack picks of the week. And then I will cap off this episode with a review from Apple Podcasts. So if you like this podcast... Go give us a rating, wherever, whatever platform that you are listening to our podcasts on. And if you give us a review, there is a really good chance that we will read it off. It might not be this week, might not be next week, because we still have a few reviews that will be that we will be going over. But you will get highlighted in the episode, even if you give us a one star review and you tell us to go fuck ourselves. We will absolutely read that off live and on air for everybody to see. So. Um, please don't do that, but if you do, we'll probably laugh and, uh, it'll be a good time (laughs) regardless of how negative it is. Um, yeah, unfortunately I was not able to watch the game this weekend. Uh, I was able to watch like the first 10 minutes of the first quarter in the vehicle. Actually, technically I wasn't watching it. I was listening to the... Uh, radio broadcast with Greg Sharp and Matt Davidson, Matt Davidson, all the way up until I got into the mountains and lost all my reception. So I listened to the first 10 minutes of the game, and then I got to listen to the last four minutes of the game when I got on top, (laughs) when we reached the peak of Chief Mountain. I got to the peak of the mountain, and I actually had some reception to listen to the game. So I got to listen to what was... Difficult, to say the least. Um, 
yeah, this game was just difficult. I, I said in our game preview episode that this that Minnesota was going to give us their best game, and that's exactly what they did. They came out with a game plan, and we had a game plan, presumably, but we didn't execute it very well, especially in the first in the first half, specifically the first quarter. We did not we just looked uninspired, unmotivated, sleepy, to be honest. We looked tired. Uh, and Minnesota clearly looked like they were ready to kick our asses. And that's pretty much what they did. That's pretty much what they did. Um, context to this, to my whole opinions about how we looked is that it was our eighth game in a row. Eighth game without a bye week. And another little bit of context is that I think I think that there is something psychologically significant about playing three back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back night games. We played a night game against Michigan State. Then we played a night game against Northwestern. And then we played a night game against Michigan, Michigan Wolverines. And then we get a visceral switch to an 11 a.m. game against the Gophers. And it was an away game. Yes, we played at Michigan State, but that was also a night game that I think we were a little bit more motivated to play than this 11 o'clock kickoff in Minneapolis. So I think that had something to do with it, being tired after playing eight weeks in a row and then starting a game off at 11 o'clock in the morning after playing three night games I just don't think is ideal. And then a last bit of context that I think is more so important, and it could go either way. As my dad stated in his episode, which, dad, you did an awesome job, I would like to give a round of applause to my dad for absolutely nailing a first solo episode by himself. I hope that I can even do half as well. I'm actually pretty nervous about this. Um, Yeah. I digress. My condolences for Eric Shenander's father, Gene, Gene, who was killed in a car accident. I think it was on Thursday before the game. And I think one of two things can happen to a team when such a tragic event happens. They'll either stand behind their coach and play a lights-out game, or they will stand behind their coach and be a little bit off. And I think what we saw was a team that was a little bit off. Maybe not so much in the second half with an outstanding defensive performance in the second half aside from a few few little things here and there. But nevertheless, the significance of loss felt across a team, which if a team truly is a team, they're all family. And with Eric Shenander's dad passing away, in such a unexpected fashion and Shenander showing true to his commitment to his team by still coaching. There might be some criticisms with that, but as Eric Shenander said, that his father would have wanted that for him. He would have told him, go coach a game, go coach a game. Don't, 
don't worry about it. Everything's fine. And I just wish nothing but the best for the Shenander family as they mourn the loss of a loved one. And I hope that our team can actually galvanize from this moving forward. I don't really know how to transition from talking about such a thing because it it hurts. It hurts to talk about. But I digress. I will move on. And the first thing I do want to talk about is our culture, okay? I'll make this short. I went on a whole tangent last week about our team turning the corner and finding some fire and finding a will to win that we are very, very close. And I told myself, well, or I said in the podcast, or I'm just going to be completely off and none of this is relevant and everything is going to go to And well, as Husker Nation probably feels right now, everything pretty much feels like it's going to at this point. Um, We are now three what is it? Three and five. I should have done basic math there. Eight games. We've only won three. That's pretty simple, but three and five. Now, before this whole season kicked off, I imagined that we would win seven games. Seven games. Six at the very at the very least. Six and six. We gotta go six and six. At this point, we are going to have to win. Three of our final four games in order to go six and six. That of the likes of Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Purdue. Not in that order, but those were the names that I <laughs> that I uh, just jotted off there. I don't know how possible that is at this point. Purdue just smacked the crap around uh, Iowa. Ohio State is finally catching their stride. Or there's Stroud, uh, you know, <laughs> catching their Stroud. Wisconsin is also going to be a tough opponent. And even though Iowa lost to Purdue, they're still a scary team to have to play. I don't even know if we can win one more of these games. And that breaks my heart. It really does. And I could go on and on about this, but... I'm not going to. The last thing that I will say about the state of the Husker football program is that I'm still hesitantly optimistic that we can find some will to win for the rest of this season or, if anything, have some sort of momentum going into next season with a 100% frost-built team. Don't know how that will work but I'm still crossing my fingers, putting on my scarlet-colored glasses and drinking the Kool-Aid and hoping to God that I can get out of this eternal torment that I feel as a Husker fan because this sucks. This this f***ing sucks being a Husker fan. And the rest of the nation sees it too. We find the weirdest ways to lose. So... Let's go over this game. All right. So, in the first half, we start off the game going three and out. 
No, not good. Not good enough. <laughs> uh, I didn't actually get to see the uh, the first drive because my wife and I were packing up all of our stuff to go hiking. And I didn't get my phone out to actually listen to the game until uh, about three minutes into the first quarter. So I get to witness Minnesota going on their 14-play, 61-yard drive for a touchdown, which they shaved off seven and a half minutes. Um, They pretty much exerted their will on us to start the game. But then we get the ball back. We get a 50-yard field goal. Excellent job, Culp. Give the ball back to them, and they get another touchdown, making it 14-3. to We then go into our second series with a false start by Turner Corcoran. That's how we start our second series. Awesome, which led to a three and out where we couldn't convert a third in like 13 or something like that. (sighs) No fun. We give the ball back to Minnesota, and they go down the field, and they miss a 50-yard field goal attempt. So Culp kind of has an, an up on him. All right, maybe Culp's doing better. But then Nebraska goes on our next drive. We score a touchdown, which, mind you, in that in that series, we overcome a third and 10 with a 20-yard 20, 20 reception by Austin Allen. But, <laughs> of course... Uh, Culp mix misses the extra point. Just face palm. Face palm, face desk, face brick. Smack your face against something. It's just one of those minor details that you don't realize contribute a major factor in games until it doesn't exist. Misses an extra point. Then Minnesota gets up on us. 21 to 9 by going eight plays and 75 yards, also overcoming a third and long on that drive. And we are now down 11 points, or I can't math, 12 points. We're down 12 points. We had about two minutes left in the half to score, and it looked like we could have, we could have done so, to be honest. But more and more offensive miscues force us to punt with 51 seconds left. And Minnesota kneels to go into halftime up on us 21 to 9. That's all I got for the first half. It was a very, very slow first half of the game. Not much excitement going on on our side of the ball for sure. And like I said, I didn't watch the game, but as I was going through the highlights and trying to read through all of the stats and the play-by-plays and all that, the only way that I can interpret this is that we just laid an absolute egg. There was nothing to show for that first half for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yes, we scored, but like, what? what can we do? We move into the second half. Minnesota starts off the second half driving down the field on us, and it looked like they were going to score, but then Nebraska catches a break at the hands of Cam Taylor Britt, intercepting Tanner Morgan after he went 16 straight pass plays without a completion. An excellent, an excellent play by Cam Taylor Britt. Got his hand in there, 
Could have just swatted it down, but he managed to get both his hands on the ball and intercepted it in the end zone. So good on you, Camp Taylor Britt. However, <laughs> Nebraska gets the ball off of that interception. Then we go three and out. Just giant nothing burger. Let's start off the second half with a nothing burger. But, like I said, 16 straight completions by Tanner Morgan. And then he goes on to throw two back-to-back interceptions. Just a crazy weird stat. Tanner Morgan had a great day. He had a great day. He was 20 for 24 with 209 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. And he threw the two interceptions back-to-back. Just kind of mind-boggling. Nebraska gets basically handed a second second chance with that. And we actually capitalize. Yes, Deontay Williams is the one who picked off the ball, but he goes down for an injury. He did not return to the game, and it looks like he will be out for a while. I don't know if that means rest of the season while or just a few games to heal a tweaked knee. I don't really know. Um, But we are able to capitalize off of that turnover with a three-play 45-yard drive for a touchdown with a dime pass to Austin Allen, accounting for 30 of those 45 yards. We score, and it's a one-score game, 21-16, to Minnesota still leading. We force Minnesota on their next drive to go three and out, and it looks like we might be able to snag some momentum in the middle of the third quarter. But we then go on a eight-play, 46-yard, or we then go on, a, on eight plays for 46 yards with what should have been a Martinez touchdown, but on a fourth and goal, We line up in a shotgun formation, and Yant gets the ball, but trips up in the backfield, falling a yard short of the goal line. Momentum lost. My question is, why are we getting into the shotgun in a, like, two-yard situation inside of the goal line? One or two-yard situation. I said two yards, but that's, like, just generalization. We have like three yards to go, two yards to go, heck, one yard to go. Why can't we just go under center, even if it is to just hand off the ball? These are the cutesy play calls that make me face desk. It should have been a Martinez touchdown. I'll, I'll granted that as the ball clearly crossed the plane of the goal line, should have been a touchdown, but. We still need to capitalize on those short yard situations. One freaking yard. We just get one yard and we score, but alas, nope, we don't We don't find it. Our defense then shows up after we uh, give Minnesota the ball back on a turnover on downs. We force Minnesota to go three and out again. And we then go down the field after a 40-yard Austin Allen reception and get an opportunity to put three points on the board. But after Colt previously made a 50 yarder and missed an extra point, he then proceeded to miss a 27 yard field goal. Now, what I was gathering from the highlights, obviously I wasn't listening to the game at this point because I was climbing a mountain. The announcers kept saying that it was because of an injured hip flexor. And I'm willing to give him that benefit of the doubt. But those are the kind of opportunities 
We cannot afford to lose. Minnesota gets the ball back, and we force them to punt for the third time in a row. We slowly but surely go down the field, but we are met with a fourth and ten. We go for it, and we fail. And then Minnesota, for the third time out of four drives that led to punts, Minnesota goes three and out, giving us yet another opportunity to score. We get the ball at our own 11. And as you guys already know, just based on that little descriptor right there, Martinez does what Martinez is unbelievably prone to do, make mind-boggling mistakes at the worst possible times. This one being a safety because of an intentional grounding made in our own end zone. Martinez had time to throw the ball away before the pocket completely collapsed, but it is what it is. It is now 23-16, to 16, Minnesota. This shifts momentum in the favor of the Minnesota's previously completely shut down offensive game. And the Govers go right down the 72-yard field in five plays to score their first offensive points of the second half with only just over two minutes left in the game. We had a third and four stop opportunity on that drive, but they got it and eventually broke a 56-yard touchdown run with Bryce Williams. We had them completely shut out, but Martinez found a way to get the opposing team a spark that he can't seem to ever find for our side of the bench. I just want to take a moment to talk about Martinez for a bit. I love the guy, okay? You can't help but love Martinez when you hear him speak. When you see him on the field, on the bench, he looks like a leader. But what he does most often and at the worst possible times is choke and just makes the most boneheaded mistakes. Is that because of the individual known as Adrian Martinez? Which... I almost I almost brain farted there. I almost said Taylor Martinez. So, uh, if I have previously said in this episode Taylor Martinez, I will uh, I will just formally apologize for that right now because I really don't know. It happened so many times. I I honestly don't know if I ever say it half the time. But uh, yeah, Adrian Martinez. <sighs> I can't I can't say that it's an individual problem at this point. What has he had around him since he's been here at Nebraska? He's had some playmakers. He has, but only a handful. Has he had an offensive line to give him the protection he's needed for his entire career here? More often than not, no, he hasn't. And losing has got to be an overwhelming contributor to his mental errors. I mean, have you ever been at work and you have a task that you're not comfortable with because you've either messed it up before or catastrophically failed doing that one thing, maybe just once or twice, and you have anxiety, you have a little bit of fear, you have a little bit of uh Worry that you're going to mess it up again. Now imagine that, but 
like a hundredfold, like a hundred times <laughs> that amount. For a small monotonous task at work, that's one thing. But for an entire football game where people are running at you trying to kill you, essentially, that's got a way on a kid's mental psyche, especially when he has been on the wrong side of success for so long. So, Martinez, I have the utmost faith that you can find a way to be successful. But at the same time, I won't blame you if you never find success at Nebraska because all you have known since you've been here is failure. And it's not your fault. Yeah, you made the mistakes. You've done the things. But it hasn't been 100% your fault, okay? I know Martinez isn't listening to this podcast, but I think there needs to be a little bit more empathy for the guy. He has been through a lot. He's experienced a lot at Nebraska, and you can't blame the guy solely. It's not just him. It's who's surrounding him. (sighs) I just wanted to say that. I will move on to the finishing of the game, which it is now 30-16, to Minnesota leading, and Nebraska gets the ball back with two minutes left in the game. We go right down the field in one minute to score with our two-minute offense, making it 30-23. to At this point, let's see. It would have been right at the beginning of Martinez's safety that I actually got reception on top of the mountain and I started listening to the game again. It was that drive, or right before that drive, uh, that I got to actually start listening to this. So from this, from that point on, I, would, I was listening to the game. And I had little to no hope that we would find a miracle to win the game, especially being down by two scores. However, I did still have just the slightest of hope that we would find a way to win the game. I know that onside kicks do not usually fall in favor of the ones kicking the ball, but there was still just that slight hope. If we could get the ball back with one minute left to score, we could find the most crazy way to come back and win this game. But come on, let's just be realistic. That does not happen for Nebraska fans. It just doesn't. It hasn't happened in a very long time. So our onside attempt fails, and Minnesota finishes the game off with a first down running the clock out. (sighs) Minnesota wins 30-23, to and like I stated before previewing, or like I stated when I previewed this game with my dad, which I miss my dad, we will will get back together to record uh, during this bye week to uh, preview the Purdue game. And I look forward to that. But what I had said in our last podcast that we were in together was that Minnesota was going to give us their best game. And if we were going to find a way to win, we needed to keep them one dimensional, which we didn't. We needed to find a way to shut Tanner Morgan down, which we didn't. I mean, we, we got a couple interceptions on the guy. I'll give us I'll give us that. But all in all, he managed to pick apart our defense in the worst ways possible and when it counted. 
So uh, what was my other key to victory? Um, and then our offensive line needed to needed to play a, a perfect game, and they didn't. And Martinez needed to make sound and timely decisions and stay healthy. And as far as I'm aware, he's nicked up again. He's not his healthiest. Um, and he did not make sound and timely decisions. So <sighs> we didn't keep them one-dimensional. Tanner Morgan found a rhythm. Offensive line sucked. Martinez sucked. We lost the game. A little bit closer than I was expecting. And like my dad said in this previous episode that he recorded solo, you know, I wasn't. I didn't find myself hoping that we didn't score again so that we could you know, not lose another game by one score or less, but damn. 17. 17 losses decided by a score or less. It's just mind-boggling. Or we lose those 17. We've won like five. Five out of, you know, 27. Or, oh my gosh, my math is so bad. I give up on that. So, players of the game. We're going to go over, or I guess I'm going to go over players of the game. They're actually the exact ones that my dad had because I think it's pretty obvious what players on our on our team performed the best. Uh, that would be, on the offense, Austin Allen. He had five receptions for 121 yards with one touchdown. Uh, there were a couple other players that did pretty good. Betts had a few moments to shine. Ramir Johnson was consistent. Uh, Yance had quite a few moments in the game where he played a, he played dominant running through some guys. But, of course, he should have had a touchdown, and he didn't. Uh, who else? Uh, yeah, Levi Falk found a few a few good plays. Omar Manning found a few good plays. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Oliver Martin didn't get a single catch in the game, even though one of them he should have. Just an overall underwhelming performance on our offense besides Austin Allen, accounting for pretty much half of our, actually, yes, like half of our reception yards across our entire wide receiving core. Yeah, good job, Austin Allen. I don't really have anything else to say about that. I'm still pretty down in the dumps about this, if if you can't tell. But uh, on the defensive side, it's a pretty obvious decision to pick Cam Taylor Britt as our defensive player of the game. Um, I would have been I would have been curious to see how Deontay Williams would have performed for the rest of the game had he not gotten injured um, and didn't land on that knee in a weird way. But Cam Taylor Britt is my defensive player of the game. He had seven total tackles, six solo, two tackles for loss, one sack, and an interception. So I think that's back-to-back weeks that I've picked Cam Taylor Britt as my defensive player of the game. I believe that he's finding his stride this season. Um, he's definitely an NFL uh, draft potential. I really do believe that, and I wish nothing but I wish nothing but the best for the guy. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, actually, no, I'm not. Uh, I just wanted to send a shout out to uh, Jojo Doman and Garrett Nelson and Nick Henrik. They played a great game. They were all over the place, from what I could tell from the highlights. 
And yeah, good job, boys. <sighs> Guys, this sucks. This sucks. Being a Husker fan sucks. It really does. Let's go into six-pack picks of the week. My dad obviously went over in his episode. Uh, what was it? He, he went over the ones that we picked the previous week. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat a dead horse by going over those again, but we will look at these this upcoming week's games. This week is another bland week. This time with no top twenty five versus top twenty five matchups to watch, but I will do my best to pick something worthwhile. Um, hold on a second, I actually got to pull up my dad's message he sent me with his games because. I'm going to go over those games and pick who I think will win there so that me and my dad can come back during the Purdue pre- the Purdue preview and see exactly how we both did. So if you listen to the previous episode, these are the games my dad picked. Number one would be number three OU at Kansas and then number 10 Oregon at UCLA. And number 25, Purdue at Wisconsin. Is that at Wisconsin? Is it? I thought it was at Purdue. Is it at Wisconsin? Let me check. I don't know. Ah, it's at uh, it's at Purdue. So I just corrected my dad. Sorry, dad. Uh, so let's start with number one. Number three, OU at Kansas. My dad picked OU. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to pick OU too. Enough said. Don't really see much hope for Kansas this season, even though I was pretty excited to see how they would do with their new coach, Lance Leipold. I think that's who it was. Second guessing myself. Yeah, it's probably Lance Leipold. Uh, Yep, I pick OU to win. So me and my dad both pick OU. Uh, Number 10, Oregon at UCLA. My dad picks UCLA, and so do I. Uh, I think that Chip Kelly, geez, I'm already questioning myself again. It's Chip Kelly, right? Somebody smack me because I need to wake up. I need to get sharp. I didn't drink any caffeine today, so that's actually probably my fault. But uh, yeah, I'm picking UCLA to win that. I think they upset Oregon and find find a way to get a marquee win. For the season, aside from, ooh, let me see. I feel like UCLA actually upset somebody this year. I apologize for my unprofessional behavior, but I'm going to uh, look this up. I feel like they beat somebody big this year. Um, nope, they didn't. I, I'm, I'm way off, way off the mark there. My bad. So, yeah, I think uh, that's actually good, though, because I think UCLA finds a way to get their marquee win for the season, first one. And then the last one that my dad had is uh, per, uh, Wisconsin, unranked Wisconsin at number 25, Purdue. Dad picks Purdue to win. Uh, I actually pick Wisconsin to win. And reason being... Yes, Purdue is ranked. Yes, they beat Iowa. Yes, it's in Purdue. However, 
There is something to be said about a team that finds a way to get a incredible victory against a ranked opponent. And then the next week, they're either going to galvanize off of such a win or they're going to come out flat. And I think that there's a good possibility that Purdue, being at home after a big win against a top five opponent, comes out flat. And Wisconsin is no team to come out flat against. Yes, their offense kind of sucks this year, but their defense is nothing you want to mess with, which granted, I know Iowa has a great defense and Purdue just destroyed them in, in such a such a way that nobody expected. I'm picking Purdue. So those are my picks. Uh, and I already talked to my dad before picking out my games. So uh, I'll actually have some continuity there which ones my dad picks of these games. So first on my list, I have number eight, six and O Oklahoma state going to unranked Iowa state four and two. The over under is 47 with the spread in favor of Iowa state by minus seven. Uh, I picked, I, I pick Iowa state. I pick Iowa state to, uh, to get a win against the top 10 opponent which Vegas sure sure seems to agree with that. I have no rhyme or reason for this other than just I think that Oklahoma State's going to be facing the same thing that Purdue's going to face this week against against Wisconsin. They're going to feel a little bit up on themselves because of a good win, and they'll come out flat. But this time, they're going to actually be going to Iowa State. or going to their opponent's stadium, I should say, more spe- or less specifically. Jeez. Um, yeah, I pick Iowa State. My dad actually picks Oklahoma State, so we'll see who, who comes out on top there. A number two game that I'm looking forward to is unranked LSU. They are 4-3 and three at, at this point in the season, and they are going to the number 12, 5-1 and one Ole Miss Rebels. So the over-under is a whopping 76 points. And the spread is in favor of Ole Miss with minus nine. My dad and I both pick Ole Miss in this game. And the reason why is because, well, Ole Miss is obviously better than LSU is this year. But I'm also curious to see on top of me and my dad picking Ole Miss. I think that this could be an upset for LSU. Come on, to be able to come on top. Oh, wow. That's a weird way to say that. To be able to uh, beat the fighting rebels. Because I think it would be the most entertaining thing in the world to see (laughs) the LSU Tigers with Ed Orgeron heading out the door at the end of this season to find a way to win a good majority of the games for the rest of their season. I don't know if they win out because I believe that they play Alabama. Uh, Yes, they play Alabama the following week, and then they play Arkansas, then they play the University of Louisiana Monroe, and then they cap off their season with Texas A&M. I think it would be the most amusing thing in the world for LSU to somehow win four of those five remaining games and basically make LSU question their 
decision to let go of Orgeron. Yes, Orgeron was on the hot seat, but what can you do? What can you do? All right, for the sake of time, I will just uh, finish this off here uh, with unranked 4-2 Clemson going to the number 23, 5-1, Pitt. Oh my goodness, I don't even know what their team's, like, what is what is their uh, mascot? Who are the who are the pit the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh what's Pittsburgh what what are you you guys are so irrelevant I don't even know what you are who knows I give up on that dad you can either edit that or just leave it in there I actually don't care um <laughs> so this is me going solo guys my dad is clearly better at this job than I am but uh, that's not to say that I won't get better. I can learn from these things. So, uh, yeah, me and dad actually both pick Clemson to come out on top on this, on, in this game, in this matchup versus Pitt, Pitt unknown team, the Pittsburgh, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of a funny joke. I'm trying to think of a funny joke and I can't even think of that. Not only do I not know Pitt's, Pitt's team mascot or like team name, I can't even think of a funny joke, so I'm failing in all aspects of life right now. But me and Dad both picked Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers to come out on top over the 23-ranked Pitt squad. The over-under on this game is 48, with Pitt being favored by uh, minus, minus 3. So, those are the three picks. I am definitely way over time. Oh, actually, I'm not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. I was not expecting to look at my audacity and see that I'm at 41 minutes. I was thinking I was getting close to an hour. So that's uh, that's good because I, I, I don't want to waste any of your time. But that is me and my dad's six-pack six picks of the week. Woo! Super awesome. Super exciting. This week is actually incredibly boring. Uh... I will move on. All right. So moving on, we are going to go over Apple Podcast Reviews because that is my podcast platform of choice. And this week, we have a five-star review from the handle known as The Man in the Story. The Man in the Story says, Loving the show, gentlemen. I appreciate the honest takes. I honestly like the environment that you guys create when discussing our Huskers. It does have a break room at work kind of feel, which is a perfect break from scrolling through the official articles of social media while still talking and thinking football. Keep it up. Well, the man in the story, that was an excellent review. We very much appreciate that. That's kind of what we were going for here with this podcast. We don't want to be super official. But we also don't want to be super unprofessional. Uh, we just want to have a, an honest conversation because myself uh, – sorry, I got a text message there. I didn't have my phone on silent. Uh, that is actually a perfect, a perfect example of how amateur that we still are with, with these things. My dad definitely has things figured out way better than I do at this point. I'm just here running my suck. But – that's what we were looking for when we when we started this podcast was 
just to have discussions with each other. Honest, humorous, stupid, uneducated. Sometimes we hit the mark, sometimes we don't. Just talking with each other. That's what me and my dad wanted to do because, I mean, that's how my dad and I's relationship has always been with the Huskers. We, I've always talked about the Cornhuskers and we will talk for a very long time whenever we were at home, at Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever. That just was what a lot of our conversation revolved around. So uh, we very much appreciate your review, man, or well, man, I'm going to guess the man in the story. It's probably man, but you know, it is 2021. So, uh, yeah, we, (laughs) we very much appreciate, we very much appreciate your review, man. So that wraps up this episode with just myself. I look forward to the next episode where I can actually hang out with my dad again. Um, on behalf of my father and I, we thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, it's been, an awesome experience to do this thus far. And even though the season is not going as expected, uh, this place is a, a, a great refuge for me and my dad to be in. So with that being said, if you need to contact us, we have our website at genredpod.com. You can find us on uh, facebook.com slash genredpod. And you can also find us on Twitter at GenRedPod. Uh, we have our YouTube channel. There's no videos on it yet, but it's mostly there for uh, a future live Q&A type roundtable discussion that we're planning on having uh, at the beginning of 2022. And you can find us there at Generation Red Live. And you can email us at genrpodcast at gmail.com. There we go. Couldn't go through a whole episode without burping. Uh, Yeah, you can email us at genrpodcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, or if you just want to send us a meme or something. Uh, Yeah, you can contact us there. We thank you so much for listening, and we very much appreciate the downloads, and we look forward to putting out more content. And I look forward to uh, getting better at this whole podcasting thing and not saying um so much and not not doing weird, goofy things like saying Taylor Martinez or not having a football team's name known. That's that's some big, big no nos. But whatever. Get, you know, just here to learn, here to have fun. So hope you had fun, too. And yeah, until next time, I just wanted to say that uh, Iowa's corn sucks and go Big Red. Go Big Red. This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty, and go Big Red.